0: Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge.
1: And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now.
0: Bonjour, and welcome to the Recruitment Flex, Shelly. One of the topics that we've talked a lot in 2023, and I told you it was going to be a focus for me Mm -hmm. in 2024 is onboarding. And I think Mm. we have the perfect guest to talk about it. So please go ahead, introduce that guest.
1: You're absolutely right. We do have the perfect guest to come and join us once again. We are welcoming back to the show, the lovely and talented Mike Early, who is the CEO of Clickboarding. Thank you so much for coming back on the show.
2: Well, Surgeon Shelley, thank you for having me. And that is quite a kind introduction, perhaps the nicest I've ever received.
0: Thank you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I do recall just how excited I was the very first time I met you and started to learn more and more about clickboarding and what a great product it is. But for anybody in the audience that maybe this is the first time they're hearing about clickboarding, would you mind just kicking us off and sharing a little bit about who you are, your background, and then just a, a, a brief overview of what clickboarding is?
2: Sure. I am married, two kids, 17 and nearly 14, live in Atlanta, Georgia, and have been in the business for quite some time now. Been in this organization for two and a half years, but prior to this, had a lot of fun being a part of a group called Hodges Mace in the benefits space. And we built Hodges Mace up and had a successful transaction selling it to a light. And then I ended up working at a light for a period of time, which leads to some other things here. And that work at Alight actually introduced me to, gosh, what an opportunity there would be in the onboarding space. So I discovered Clickboarding, fell in love with the company, fell in love with the, not in the literal sense, but really got to know the chairman and CEO at the moment. (laughs) Uh, and, And he and I became close friends and I just had to join this organization. And Prior to that, years ago, I was at United Health Group in Highmark in the medical benefits space. I'm a midwesterner originally. Somehow I made it to the southeast where weather is slightly better.
1: (laughs) Talk a little bit more about what it was on clickboarding because I remember that feeling as well. The first time I started to learn about the solution and the problem that it was solving. What was it about clickboarding that you fell in love with?
2: I think it's the fact that it's such a specific need that Mm. seems to be ubiquitous anywhere in the world. That's the need that it's addressing. And it, it seems to be in one's career, if you choose to become a specialist and you go very deep on something, you have a tendency statistically to make a lot more and do a lot better in your career. I find it is the exact same thing with business. We have isolated this one area that so many people, individual consumers, employers, again, not just in North America, worldwide, complain about all the time. And they say, oh my gosh, our onboarding sucks. What they really mean is their pre boarding is inadequate and they need to address it and they're frustrated. And people complain about it privately. So, what I loved about Clickboarding is that's the exact problem they address, we address. And it's been around for eight years, but now it's just really starting to boom. And we're seeing tons of traction with some of the largest employers in the United States and frankly, the world. So that's what impacted me. And that's what got me so excited about this organization. There is a true solution that goes deep, deep, deep on this. There's a lot of them that are on the surface level. There's a whole bunch, mm. whole bunch. And it seems to be a common topic right now. Everybody wants to solve for onboarding, but I have not seen another that goes so super deep. And that can configure to such unique needs.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I remember thinking it's not just any one industry or company. Like you say, it is such a universal failure on behalf of organizations. Those that get it right, it's amazing when they get it Mm -hmm. right. The difference Mm -hmm. that it makes, and I know we get to to talk to you a bit more about that here in this episode. But I do want to come back to in October of this year, you partnered with Alight. Now, is that the same Alight that you came from? Yeah, there's. Tell us more about that
2: connection. There, I admit to that, and a lot of it was because even before I left and went to clickboarding, there were some conversations there around. Gosh, maybe we should be partnering more with clickboarding. And I was very transparent during all that with my good friends at Alight that I'm falling in love with this company. I'm going to jump on and lead it. But the conversations kept going. And Alight realized that they, too, were hearing from clients that this is an unmet need. And Alight, seeing that opportunity, has really been able to leverage a partnership here. We, we now have one MSA with them, one complete integrated environment with Alight so that uh, their organization can go to their clients and on a two page change order that client can add a light employee onboarding which is powered by clickboarding and can add all the needed components of pre-boarding to all those fortune 500 companies and everything else and they took our solution and they added it into some of the other things that they do like a white glove concierge services they call it a light benefit guidance they can push benefit administration, open enrollment for Mm -hmm. especially a new hire prior to day one. So that's normally something that doesn't happen until your first or second week. Why not do that the the week before where you have a clear head? So they saw a real market opportunity and uh, they're leveraging our relationship to make this happen.
1: Congratulations. Sounds like a very nice partnership. Another thing about a year ago, there was a, a new product or module. And I want you to share just a little bit more with us about Click Retain.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you
1: talk, what is it? How's it going? Is it being used? Are you seeing any significant results there for your clients? Uh,
2: we are, and you nailed it. So we're in the pre-boarding, onboarding space. That's the core mm-hmm. of what we do and the offboarding side. But the in-between is where we were not other than a little bit of cross-boarding when somebody goes from one department to the other, which is important for some companies, and and M&A work. We do a lot of M&A work. But we realized that there was a need around understanding how people are doing once they're in the job. And more importantly, we're in a unique situation. Being the pre-boarders, the onboarders, we could understand baseline data from an individual as to why they are joining a company. So it's a unique part of the tech space where we're before day one, and we can capture as a part of the workflow from every single person joining that organization, the key themes, categories for why they're joining that organization, not in free form, bucket it so we can compare the data. So is it the benefits? Is it the manager they're working for, the culture? Maybe they heard from a friend. What are all Mm. the reasons? And how are they feeling about that new opportunity? Are they excited? And then you Mm -hmm. can check back in in sentiments at day seven, 14, 30, 60, 90, up to a year beyond, and start to see trend lines. And you're right, we had this in development for two years. We launched it just about a year ago. We are now seeing a lot of traction. It took a little while, like everything, to get the word out. We've had some clients Mm -hmm. add this. We are seeing a couple of key clients too, seeing remarkable data. From using ClickRetain, because there are a lot of touchpoint survey things out there. There's a bunch of them, but few that have before day one, if any, and after day one, also few that can open it up and see the dashboards and nail it down into trends so they can start to see by demographic group. And I just don't mean by ethnicity and gender, I mean by area of the world that those sets of employees may live in what tier they may be in the organization and catch themes. Maybe the VP tier of the organization is really disgusted in month nine working at this company. Why in the world would that be? And they can peel away at it and come out with a proactive approach before they see turnover. That's the goal of Click Retain. And we're seeing clients who choose to get in there and look at the data, act on it. And now what we'll have is an action center to help that employer come up with some ways to address it.
0: Mike, if you don't mind, I'd like to understand the nuts and bolts of this a little bit more. So obviously, they're coming on as an employee going through the onboarding module. Now they're in the system. You have the key Hmm? data points that you're looking for initially as far as what are the drivers of them being there. So do you survey them as it goes along? Like, how do you get this data that this person Hmm. is happy and happy? Yeah,
2: and that's what I mean by touch point. We all laugh inside. In fact, the product team will later, if they listen to this, taser me because I'm not allowed to say survey. (laughs) So I, I, I just violated okay. the rule. you said it. So I, I'm just repeating what you said, but it is in essence a survey. It's a touch point and it's a thematic one that we used certain data points and studied how to ask the question and, and how it should be phrased so that it matches the data sets across all employers. The entire idea behind click retain was to empower that employer because of the shift of what's happening in the labor force. And I'm sure we'll talk about this in a couple of themes here, but click retain. It allows that employer to see, is that group of individuals, are they satisfied? Are they not satisfied? Are they at risk of leaving the organization? If so, why do we think that's happening? And then they can match up the data to see who left, who didn't, and look at all those survey touch points historically. And that will be of great use to them. And remember, because we're the onboarding, the pre-boarding company because we are talking to that individual and we were able to reach out to them two, three, six weeks before day one. And we have their mobile phone because they gave us text permissions and we have their personal email address. We have the starting point of communication with them. And that means we can continue with that throughout. So engagement and usage is much higher because they had to go through it in their workflow and they gave us permissions in the front end. So it's a real unique moment where afterwards, if you didn't have that, an employer might have a hard time getting people to engage and take it.
0: Yeah. And what is the, the uptake rate?
2: It's extraordinarily high when it's from new hires and they have that pre-day one data all the way through. And that's exactly what we want. We know there's a lot of competitors out there that are trying to do similar work. We're just uniquely positioned to get data before the others.
0: So- when you get the data, how is it processed? Is it just based on the core answers and obviously it's bucketed, as you mentioned, but is there an algorithm that gives you a, a sense of, hey, if they're saying this, this is a clear warning sign of this person's going to be leaving? Like, how does that backend work?
2: We like to say it's a little bit of AI. Everybody wants to say AI right now, but AI has been around for really 50, 60 years yeah. and is just now hot but it's similar. If you say this and it goes that direction and the algorithm can start to almost predict which category of employees are going to be at risk. And so that's really the critical thing here is we are in the engagement retention business. I hate both those words, but we are in that business because they're overused is why I don't care for them. Yeah. <laughs> but we're in that business at the end of the day. And you know what that all means? It simply comes down to productivity brand and revenue. Yeah. So by being focused on one's engagement and the retention of those individuals at the employer, an employer can focus on what they ultimately have to do and that is bring in revenue, grow their organization and make sure their brand stays solid and that all comes down to productivity. And so that's where this can help them analyze that.
0: I love it. I do want to jump into two key areas that I think are the biggest struggles or some of the biggest struggles that talent acquisition department corporations have in general. And one of them I'll start with onboarding. We hear so many different stories of new employees having a bad experience and it automatically makes them rethink the decision they made. Maybe a week or two weeks earlier, and now you're on your second day, third day, you're like, ah, shit, what did I do here? I (laughs) I didn't pick the right job. And I know there's a system part, but there's a human part to onboarding as well. Little things like having lunch not by yourself on the first day is, to me, like absolutely critical when you're thinking of building out a whole – onboarding process. So for our listeners that are usually talent leaders or practitioners and onboarding is on their plate, where should they start in building the right onboarding process, practice? Where would you lead them?
2: 13 seconds after the offer letter goes out.
0: Okay. That's
2: when onboarding starts. And that's why earlier I, I referenced the word that I use all the time, but pre-boarding it is connected. It is the same thing, anything less than that. And you are doing a disservice to your company and to that new individual, because if that offer letter goes out and they accept, then that relationship is a digital relationship that is starting immediately. And yes, you have all these compliance steps to get through, whether, you know, in the United States, the I-9 and the background checks, drug tests, all that other stuff. Great. Fine. But you're building a digital relationship with that individual from whenever they sign that offer letter and that initial awesome enthusiasm they have. Isn't it a great feeling you sign an offer letter, you are going to a new employer, you're celebrating, you can't wait, your mind is in a good spot. It's very freeing. It's one of the best feelings. And so leverage that moment. Leverage that moment immediately. That's what I said brand earlier in this. Brand is so important at an employer where the brand is represented by the people that work there, and these are your newest individuals joining that organization, they're representing the brand. They are the brand. So in order to harness that enthusiasm when that offer letter is signed and turn that into something, that's when somebody in talent should be thinking about onboarding somebody. Because if you want ghosting to go to zero, you make that person excited and thankful that they signed the offer letter they're never going to ghost you then. Mm. So if the technology's pinging them literally an hour after they sign the offer letter and we get the the feed and the ping goes out and there's a text that just arrived, Mike, congratulations, you have an offer. And you open it up and you start the process and there is perhaps even your new leader speaking to you in a video, congratulating you and walking you through what it's going to be like. What a way to start.
1: So can I ask you though, Mike, I think there's a bit of a struggle that I've heard from internal TA teams that this is the hiring manager's job. Mm-hmm. This is somebody joining your team. This is someone who is going to report to you. You've selected them. Should pre boarding and onboarding belong to the hiring manager? Like, my belief is that it should. I'd want it to. Like, I want to hear from my new leader, not the recruiter. I I don't want to hear from HR. I want to hear from my new leader. I
2: Mm -hmm. want to hear from my new leader as well. And my new leader should be the first to congratulate me. And maybe you can do that by a digital congratulations in the platform. That's one way to do this. Mm -hmm. But we also have to be realistic what's going on in an organization. So if productivity is so important for that organization, sometimes that hiring manager is going to have a varying degree (laughs) of message that's going to come through. And so the time that you are at an organization, it's going to take to train all your hiring managers to ensure that you call that person in the first day, congratulate them, and make sure you follow this plan, hiring manager. Is that universally going to happen each and every time? No. And I would love it if it was the hiring manager that was doing it the right way every time. But I don't think it's done the right way every single time. And it is valued at different levels, depending on who it is. But I agree with you, Shelly. I think that is the right way. And I think if you did that in the technology, you'd be even better off.
0: You mentioned ghosting, and I think it's two different situations. A company that's onboarding, say, someone in the healthcare professional, a nurse, or whatever the case is, or someone hiring an hourly worker, that the ghosting rate is going to be a lot higher. What's your overall take? Should you approach it differently if you are in a sector that is more prone to ghosting? What's your thoughts? Different approaches, or you should customize in each area?
2: Ghosting should be as close to zero as possible, and if it's anything above zero, you've got a problem you need to dig into. I think it is a similar experience regardless if you are a frontline worker or you are in the C-suite of that organization. It needs to be taken extraordinarily serious because going back to brand productivity and revenue of a company, those things can't happen if people aren't showing up for work. It can't happen. And so ghosting is critical. We have a client. It's a hospital in upstate New York. They were greatly struggling with ghosting and they were greatly struggling with the amount of time from offer letter to day one, which used to be a hundred days. They put us in, not to make this too much of a commercial, it went down to 11 for their non-nursing staff and 14 for their nursing staff. They brought ghosting down from, I can't even believe this, Ghosting was 54%. Not all ghosting where it was they never told the employer that they weren't going to show up, although there was some of that. It was ghosting in that somebody said they would accept the role. And then for some reason, over the course of the 100 days before when offer letter to day one, there were a myriad of reasons they didn't. They've brought that down to less than 2%. Mm. And the reason is in the technology, there are checkpoints and flags that if somebody is not taking the next step, that new employee, Bam. As the hiring manager, and you have access to it, something is happening. That person is not taking this next step. They're not progressing through this. I need to get ahead of this so I'm not embarrassed when they don't show up. To me, it doesn't matter whether it is any tier of job. You can't get your work done at the employer if people aren't there. You just can't. It's your revenue model.
0: I'm curious because one of the challenges that a lot of talent acquisition organizations is like, how do you mix that personalization, but also automation and systems and process. We still need that element of personalization because we do feel that's going to help us with ghosting It's the relationship start stronger. How should they look at what should be automated and what should be personalized?
2: Yeah, uh, we eventually will get to hyper personalization of pre-boarding and onboarding in our technology so that you will have a totally different experience than I will have we will be able to get to that. And we are in steps towards that. I, I think that's just too critical not to acknowledge. Mm. In the interim, the workflows can be completely different for category of individual, not to sound different from a previous part of this conversation that we had that everybody should have a similar experience. I agree with that still, but the flavors of tea can vary somebody in one type of job might have a different workflow and a different type of experience in their technology that is more customized for what they're going to be doing. Take that same hospital I just spoke about. Yeah. If you are working in an administrator's role at the hospital, you might need and want to have a different uh, experience going through onboarding than you might if you're a nurse. Yeah. Okay. So your experiences are going to be totally different and your needs, even compliance wise, are totally different. So the workflows need to be designed totally different based on job title, not more, less title, more around category of role and location. Different locations can be completely different. We have a very large employer. They had 100,000 hires last year. And so big name, they're a wonderful client of ours, but they have so many different categories of companies that they own. And so many different needs, the experiences have to be completely different. So that's where the digital experience is similar across them all, but unique for that flavor of what they're trying to attack. If that helps, Serge.
1: Perfect. I want to come back to a little bit more of understanding about pre-boarding, because it may be for some a new concept. Even when I look around at my peers and what are they doing for pre-boarding is nothing. The offer letter goes out and it is crickets Crickets. until day one. When you look at top organizations, top tier organizations, or even the organization that you're referring to, was it just purely implementing a technology? There's got to be other things that they did that would be moving towards a best practice. Or was it just purely paying attention to the problem?
2: Literally, I think was paying attention to the problem. I mean, mm-hmm. they were in a circumstance before where prior to this, every single employee at all levels had to go into HR three different physical times before day one. And we always laugh. We call it the Valley of Uncertainty for those employers that don't address this problem. From the day they sign the offer letter till day one, there's nothing in between except this manual work put on you and the HR team and sometimes the hiring manager. That's what this type of solution solves. You're getting that valley of uncertainty to go to zero. So to me, pre-boarding is a little bit unique for some employers until they really understand what it's solving for. Then they realize, oh my gosh, this is actually just onboarding earlier. And some of the things that you should think about and prepare for, maybe there's certain training that you might at your own volition want to take on prior to day one, all the stuff that you could do. Or back to the Allied example, have benefits enrollment. Prior to day one, I think Alight is the only benefits administrator now in the United States, at least, that can handle that now because of this solution. There's just some unique capabilities that pre-boarding has a completely different way of shaping a company.
1: I have to say, Mike, a lot of HR professionals have no idea or they believe, and I have heard this straight out of their mouth, that we can't send them any training material because they're not employees yet. They're not on payroll. So there's a belief that you can't be asking people to do any of this because you're not paying them yet. Day one hasn't started. The whole notion of pre-boarding, they believe you can't, that it's not allowed.
2: I think some of the states in the United States, like California particularly, you're not supposed to do anything prior to day one, otherwise it could trigger starting to pay that individual. And some companies that have California populations define that as they start paying them after the I-9 goes out. And so now they don't start the I-9 process until the day before day one, or even the day of, which then leads to people not doing it correctly, leaving them open to a $2,100 penalty per person that they don't do it right. So now they're opening up themselves to all these other problems. So by not handling free boarding, the right way before day one, you're opening yourself up to a whole nother level of liability that employers and legal firms often forget about. I know of one employer that we've been talking to. They have so many I-9 violations because of that thought philosophy that's in the millions of dollars. So that alone has helped them reshape how they need to address this. I mean, how else do you get the background screening, the the drug tests, the I-9, all these things you could argue would then therefore be in violation of that. And I think it also depends how you word it. If somebody is going out there and they're doing some of these things at their volition, it's different.
0: Yeah. What I wanted to interject with, I think there's obviously there's the paperwork stuff, all the things that are involved in getting a job and starting a job. But there's also what I call or what I think are more the magical moments before you start a job. Imagine you accept an offer and three days after you get your swag kit with all these cool gears and you're already on LinkedIn showing off, hey, I got this from Click." Boarding, like what an awesome organization you feel really proud of showcasing then you then you get your laptop all installed with everything ready to go a week before you're going to start so you can start configuring the way you want. So I think there is elements of okay, let's just get all our stuff in order making sure I can start day one. But there's also how can you sprinkle in some of those magic moments in between that really bring the experience to the next level.
2: Absolutely. It's the reason why things like Glassdoor exist now, because when you have bad experiences, you put it out there, you knock your employer. When you have good experiences, you can put it out there and you'll see some of that. But you can add certain things before day one that makes that person's day. So for instance, let's say it is an on-site job. Where specifically are they supposed to go? And why not as a step before day one, there's even a map. By the way, this parking dock, is a little tricky we recommend you go to the yellow level to park Hmm. that can all be put in the workflows and makes that person feels just super awesome and reduces their anxiety before day one hey by the way new person joining our organization this is acceptable attire and by the way we have found these levels of business casual not to be acceptable but this will give you an idea of what to prepare for again reduce anxiety new hire (laughs) here's the team that you're going to be joining oh hey, these are some groups within teams of other people that could be like you. You can peruse them. And when you start, you can join one of these groups, get to know these folks, maybe even now. You're dead on right. It is branding. And it allows that person to join that organization with excitement, enthusiasm, and again, less anxiety.
0: I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things I was going to say, anxiety of starting a new job, even if you're the most confident person in the world, You will probably get anxiety, especially the more vague it is, the more scary it is. And the expectation of what your first day is going to look like. Where do I park? Where do I go? Who do I ask for? What can I expect in the morning? Where am I going to lunch? When can I leave? All of these things. If you can answer that before the person starts... I think that is the first step of removing ghosting. Because I'll I'll tell you, if you're coming a day before and you have no information, then you're not sleeping that night. You're quite anxious. It's a reality of a lot of people starting jobs. So I'm glad you brought that up. And we
2: see it worldwide. I'm not just picking on the United States and Canada, although it's more fun to pick on us. But as an example, we have a very large client in India with 60,000 employees. And I didn't know this, but in India... Prior to working here, I didn't know this. In India, your pre-boarding, the period of time between offer letter and day one is about 60 days. It's not 14 Mm. days like it is in the United States, it's 60 days. And it's more of a cultural piece. But due to that, ghosting has become a huge problem because they'll get counter offers across a two month period Mm -hmm. of time. And so ghosting is an enormous problem there. And so this technology can greatly address that problem and really keep that person close to their new organization they're going to join. And that's critical for
0: them. Hmm. So Mike... Obviously, a lot has happened since the pandemic. If you think about last year, there was a lot of exciting things that came out. We saw the rise of generative AI and its impact in talent acquisition and in HR in general. But looking at this year, from what you've seen from your clients, what you're seeing in the industry, any crystal ball predictions of something that's going to happen in our space in 2024?
2: Yeah, I, I think 2024 is the beginning of a much bigger trend and it's super basic. but it's scary and it's real. And that is two things that connect together, which are the foundation for this trend. The first thing is our workforce to pick on the United States for a minute is moving from a group of people that want to work of a population of 76 million. I think the numbers I saw recently to 66 million in the generation behind it, 10 million less people in this next generation that want to work. In addition to that, and I'm sure you've seen this in some other news pieces in the last two months. We are about to witness the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of mankind. Yeah. And I've seen numbers as low as $30 trillion, as high as $100 trillion. Who knows where the number is? It's big. Let's just say it's really big. <laughs> yeah. And so you add a transfer of wealth from that one generation to the next. And I think, I, I can't remember, is that baby boomers to Gen Xers? That transition of wealth coupled with already a 10 million less workforce, and that's the workforce that wants to work. Now, your gap of 10 million is going to be a lot bigger because a whole group of people are now more wealthy than they were expecting. So, those two things combined means what? If you are an employer in the United States that's already an underemployed economy here, there's too many jobs for the people we have, ironically and oddly. Even if we go into a recession, it will not solve it. So that means the people you have become gold. And I think companies are going to wake up that they have to onboard the right way, which is pre-boarding. They have to leverage things like what I spoke about earlier, click retain, some sentiment technologies, ways to ensure their population are connected to the company, are feeling as if they're contributing, because if you stop learning, you start leaving. And so if you're learning and you're connected to your company, you'll want to stay. You'll be more productive. The revenue model of the company will continue to increase. The brand will be better. And then the next thing I think companies are going to have to embrace due to that same economic situation is if somebody does leave, you better offboard that person with exceptional grace. Even if it is a forced termination, your person walking out that door is now a potential consumer and they're going to tell, I've seen data on this, when you have a bad experience, you tell 16 people. When you have a good experience, I think you tell nine. So if that's the case, you have a bad experience, you're going to tell 16 people you had a bad experience. More importantly, with that smaller economic situation going on where we all have a smaller workforce, especially in the United States, you're going to need to boomerang some employees that had left back into the company. Hopefully, you've offboarded them in a way with such grace that they will consider coming back one day because you're going to need them. And I've also read this impacts every single country in the world other than two, Mexico and India, which have uh, a lot of additional capacity workforce-wise. So every other country in the world, if my data is correct, this is impacting. So I think that's the trend that we're going to start to see in 2024. I'm sorry it's a boring one because it's not like generative AI 8.0. It's none of that. I think it's far more basic. It might be leveraging these tools like clickboarding to address that problem.
0: I'm glad you brought that up because we have rarely talked on the show about the transfer of wealth that's coming. If you think about the boomers, it is by far the richest generation that's ever existed. And unfortunately, they're getting old. Any boomers that's listening here is like, you're not going to die soon, but it's coming. It's coming. But you are going to die. You are going to die. That is a guarantee. with that prediction or that thought, I'm just curious. Do you think organizations should be concerned about exhausting their potential labor pool of that available yes. work for them?
2: Yeah, big time. And, and it's so hard. It goes back to those three words that I kept using: productivity, revenue, and brand. And I'm, I don't always love concentric circles, but somehow those three need to come together. Yeah. In the center is the right spot, and that's where their workforce is not only going to need to be, but could be taxed in order to get done what you need to get done the real contributors in an organization are going to end up getting more. It's just a natural phenomenon. I'm guilty of it in our company. Those folks that just work their tail off that tend to take on more, I just naturally default to reaching out to those folks and saying, hey, can you help me with this? That's just a great small example of how I inadvertently could burn someone out and I don't even know I'm doing it. I'm not doing it because I'm trying to be a bad person. I just know that person executes.
0: It's the old adage, right? If you want to get something done, give it to the busiest person, you know, and it'll get done. So I think that's a perfect example. So Mike, this was fantastic. I think there's tons of values for everyone listening when it comes to looking at pre-boarding and onboarding. And it's not always lived in the world of talent acquisition. And I, I strongly feel that it should, but I guess that would be a different conversation. So Mike, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, what is the best way to reach out to you?
2: You can go to our website and submit a a form to get to our main area, or I'm probably crazy enough to put my email out here. So it's M-E-H-R-L-E at clickboarding.com. And if I regret that, I will uh, have to change my email address.
0: (laughs) So for uh, everyone listening, please send an email to Mike as quickly as as possible. Make
2: me cry. Make me cry. Or send a link in. That's nice, too.
0: Perfect. Well, Mike, this was an absolute pleasure. It's always fun to have you on the show, and I appreciate you taking the time.
2: Surgeon Shelley, you're great. I love your podcast, and thank you for inviting me for the second time. This was fun.
1: Thank, thank you, Mike.
2: Thank you. Have a
1: great one. You too. Au revoir.
0: Shelley, let's face it, texting candidates is the easiest way to hire quicker today
1: txt.com, mention the Recruitment Flex, and get 10% off annual plans. Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest
2: problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on a Mission podcast. This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed.